you have your Bibles this morning, let's open them back up to Acts chapter 11. Uh, we, of course, have been walking through this book together. And uh, this morning we're going to finish this look at Acts chapter 11. Particularly, we have spent uh, three weeks previously looking at this chapter. And today will be uh, the last time we'll look at Acts chapter 11. It's the last time we'll look uh, in this section con concerning the church at Antioch. What we decided was, was that... Uh, the, the church at Antioch was a good model for us. So as we have seen uh, the church of Antioch move through evangelism, and as we have seen the church of Antioch talk about discipleship, that we should model those things in our church as well. Today we're going to look at the, the ministry of mercy that we see in Acts chapter 11, the church of Antioch, beginning in verse 27. I'm going to actually begin reading in the latter part of verse 26, which is the last sentence of verse 26 and then through the end of this chapter. And what we're going to see is, is that we're going to have a call to the ministry of mercy. And we understand all of these things that we've talked about. We've talked about the church as a whole, but we recognize that if the church as a whole is going to be recognized as a church that is merciful and compassionate, it is only going to be because we as individuals find ourselves as full of mercy and full of compassion. The church will never be known for something that the individual members of the church are not also known for. And so as we see this encouragement... I don't want you to just see it as an encouragement for the gathered group of God's people as a whole. I want you to hear the Spirit speak to you, particularly about the call to mercy and the call to selflessness and the call to generosity and then, and then be reminded of what we might accomplish together if we'll follow this model uh, by the church of Antioch in Acts chapter 11. So let's stand together, read the last sentence of verse 26, just to remind us and then the remainder of chapter 11 together this morning. It says, And in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all of the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders of the hand, by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Let's pray together. God, would you be with us this morning, Lord, as we explore this passage of Scripture together? God, would you help us, God, to... See not only a model for us as a gathered group of your people, but, but God, would you also help us all to evaluate our own hearts. God, let your spirit speak to each of us, God, wherever it is we may be standing today. God, help us see, Lord, by the example that you've lived in front of us, God, and also that your word commands us, Lord, to be found as a selfless, generous, compassionate people. And people will be able to look at us as they did the church of Antioch and say, those people are Christians. God, help us. We need your spirit to convict us. Beyond that, Lord, uh, we, we can do nothing. And so, God, help us this morning. We pray and ask in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. You can be seated. 
I want you to see four quick things about this instance that we have here from the church of Antioch. Again, as we'll look at these four things that the church of Antioch displays for us, what we're going to see is, is that these are calls for the church as a whole. But again, if the church is going to be recognized as such, it's only going to be because we as individual believers are recognized as such. The first thing that's pretty plain before us here that I want to make sure that you notice is that these Christians, or the Christians, those little Jesus imitators, they show mercy in this passage of Scripture that we see. You heard the passage. There's, a, there's a, a beautiful account here of a prophet who comes through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, and that prophet named Agabus stands up before all of the disciples of Antioch. And, and Agabus tells them that there's going to be a famine. There's going to be a starvation of God's people and the people of all of the world. And though these people in Antioch, they immediately respond as a result of being told this need. This church models for us what it looks like to respond with mercy and compassion to those that are affected here by a famine or by starvation. And we see for us an example. Not only should the church respond this way in, the, in, in mercy and compassion, but as Christians... We are supposed to respond to, with mercy and compassion when we see people that are in need. Mercy is defined as this. It is, it is a compassion expressed in the face of a dire human need. As God's people, we are marked by our response to people in need. We see this by the, by the example of Jesus himself. Jesus would walk along the road and when he saw a blind man, what would Jesus do? He would touch him or speak to him or, or make mud and put it on his eyes and we would see a healing, an act of mercy on this man. Or when Jesus would see that people were, were deaf, he would make them to where they could hear. Or when he'd see that people were lame, he would display mercy to them by giving them a healing where they could walk and run and jump again. Jesus shows us what it looks like to model compassion or mercy towards those that have a need. But we need to be certain to recognize, and we even see it in this passage of Scripture this morning, that the showing of the mercy to people that are in need is not the whole of the gospel. Certainly it is what we are called to, but it's not the entirety of the gospel. There are some people that want us to believe that if we can just make a, a utopian experience, if we can just make everybody feel better, then maybe we can experience the good news that Jesus had promised. And I want you to know that showing mercy without declaring Jesus as a solution to someone's sin problem is no gospel at all. It is not good news just to make them live longer, destined for hell, right? Mercy is expressing compassion in the face of their need, which their greatest need is the sin that they have in their life. And so we see Jesus not just offering healing to the blind, not just offering words to the deaf, and not just making the lame to be able to walk again. Jesus tells them, not only can I heal you physically, but go and sin no more, right? Because Jesus came to the earth to show us and model for us mercy, the greatest of which is sharing the gospel with those that are in need. So I don't want you to miss. Look at verse 30. They did so. They collected the offering. They sent it. They did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Isn't it interesting that this church of Antioch, who was a newborn church, they had not been around very long time. We said 10 to 13 years, something like that. 
And as a result to quality control their theology, Barnabas was sent by the church at Jerusalem to, to go and speak into the life of their church. Barnabas then left, you'll remember from last week, and, and went and found Saul. And, and he found Saul and he brought Saul back to this church. And Saul and Barnabas taught the gospel to this church, we are told, for a whole year. And now they are collecting an offering, the church of Antioch, but they are not just sending the check back to Jerusalem. Don't miss it. They're sending the check and Barnabas and Saul back to Jerusalem. You see, we understand from this picture, I think, the church of Antioch understood that the check along was not the solution to the biggest problem that Jerusalem would have. They would also need to be reminded of the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ. Christians, we show mercy by meeting the needs of people, but we show mercy the greatest when we share the gospel to those that are in need of salvation. Our gospel presentation should not be removed from our acts of mercy and our acts of mercy should never be removed from our gospel conversations. The ultimate goal of this church at Antioch, the ultimate goal of our church as a church at First Baptist Church Union, the ultimate goal of our lives as believers is to declare mercy and compassion, to meet needs when they arise and to share the gospel at all times. These people model this for us. This church helps us to see how we might do that. The second thing I want you to note about these Christians in Antioch was that the Christians in Antioch, they shared selflessly. Make sure you hear that, selflessly. That is opposed to selfishly, right? Selflessly is the the need to see other people as more important than ourselves, that the need that arose in Judea and Jerusalem, it was a need that this group, the group in Antioch, wanted to make sure that they met. So they collected this offering, not for their own sake, but for the sake of those who would be in famine in Judea. For the sake of those who would be starving in Judea, they collect an offering. And maybe even more significant than just the collecting of the offering is the fact that the famine had not even occurred yet. Do you hear that? What does it say? Foretold by the Spirit here that there would be a great famine. We have this old adage that we use a lot as believers, but also just as good people in our world use, and it goes something like this. If you see a need, you meet a need, right? This is kind of what we believe. If, if, if you see a need, we believe that the, the Lord has brought that to your attention for the purpose for you to meet the need. We believe that. As needs come before you, God is probably calling you to see it. But look here, this need had not yet arisen. This need had not yet happened. It was only told by the Spirit. The Spirit said the need is coming there is going to be a famine. But so in tune with the Spirit of the Lord and so in tune with obedience of the words of the Spirit through this prophet was the church at Antioch that they said, no matter what we have going on, we're going to stop what we're doing to fulfill the need, the need that is evidenced here by the speaking of the Spirit through this prophet. You know, as I think about this as a churchman, and the evangelism explosion that has been experienced by the church of Antioch, I wonder what all pains the church was going through. 
granted, the church in Antioch did not have a facility like we have a facility, but certainly the church in Antioch had needs. Certainly there were people inside of their own fellowship that also had needs. Certainly there were people that they knew in their community that had needs. And yet the church of Antioch focuses here on this spirit-led need before they even see to the needs of themselves, which leads me to the second thing that I think speaks of their selflessness. And it comes back in that same verse of Scripture. What does it say? Agabus stood up, foretold by the Spirit, don't miss it, that there would be a great famine over all the world. Every time the word all is present in Scripture, it always means all. That's a good rule. And it's interesting here that all of the known world was going to experience this famine. All of the known world was going to experience pockets of starvation as a result of the prophecy here that's told by Agabus. And we all recognize that all included Judea, but certainly all would have also included Antioch. And yet this church, looking not to their own needs, but to the needs of others, collects an offering and sends it back to the church in Judea. How many of us would have said, well, let's stockpile ourselves, and if we have any leftovers, we'll send it then to Judea so that their needs might be met but not the church of Antioch. You see, the church of Antioch is showing us that Christians Christians are selfless people, not selfish people. They give to needs when they see the needs arise, even before they consider themselves. But is is this not what Paul would have been teaching the church? I mean, Paul had been teaching this church, we're told in verse 26, for an entire year at this point. Certainly, Paul would have touched on selflessness. We know that when he wrote his letter to the church at Philippi, he wrote these things. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You see what Paul is teaching the church in Philippi. Maybe he taught the church in Antioch as well. And it is this, what you need is not the most important need. The need that is most important is what your neighbor needs because Christians are not selfish people. They are selfless people. See, Christians, they show mercy. Christians, they share selflessly. I want you to see third that Christians, by this example of the church of Antioch, Christians share generously. This little phrase here is one that we like to use in the church. You see it in the verse 29 again. It says, everyone gave or everyone according to his ability. Concerning the offering that was taken, we're told that everyone gave. Again, I would say that this word everyone most likely means everyone. Much like all means all, everyone most likely means everyone. And giving generously, obviously, was a marker of the New Testament church in Antioch. Everyone that was gathered in that occasion, everyone that heard from this prophet that there was going to be a famine in all of the world, everyone determined that they each needed to give a gift, recognizing that that gift would be given according to each one's ability, right? It makes us think about that widow and the widow's might. The widow's might was not much money, but it was as much money as the widow could give. We give generously, whether it be a mite 
or it be more. We give generously because this is what Christ has modeled for us. Christ has shown us that giving up of ourselves is an example that we ought to follow if we are going to be identified as little Christ. If we're going to be identified as Christians, as little Jesus imitators, it's going to be by sacrifice, by giving, by giving generously. A passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians 8 9 came to my mind as I was thinking about this. And 2 Corinthians 8 9, it says, For you know, talking to the church of Corinth, Paul writes again, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. That he who was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that by his poverty we might become rich. You hear that? Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he humbled himself to come and live among us so that he might be the ransom for our sinfulness, thus making us rich, abounding in all things for all time. This is an example of generosity in the life of Jesus Christ. We are to be a generous people with the giving of our lives, even Jesus would say. You remember Jesus as those disciples walked with him and, and they said, Jesus, can I go and bury my father before I decide to come and follow you? And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Drop everything and come and follow me. Or when Jesus speaks to the rich young ruler and the rich young ruler says, I've obeyed all of the law. What else must I do? And Jesus tests him and he says, well, you need to sell everything you have. Then you can come and follow me. And we are told the rich young ruler went away sad. Or his disciples, as they were following him, he wanted to make sure they knew what it was going to cost to be his disciple. He said, foxes have holes and Birds have nests, but the Son of Man, He has nowhere to lay His head. Again, it's a picture of Jesus showing us that He had given everything away so that we might be rich. It is a picture of generosity. And this picture, these few verses, these three and a half verses in Acts chapter 11 show us what a church looks like when it is filled with generous people. They give according to their ability to send relief to those that are in need. They show mercy and compassion, Christians do. Christians are selfless Christians share generously. The last thing I want you to see is something that's obvious from this passage of Scripture, but I think it's important for us to recognize, and it's that Christians share together. There wasn't a single man in that church that could collect enough money for the financial support of the churches that were to be affected in Judea. But it seems that together they could collect enough to give some relief to those churches in Judea. This is why we align ourselves together. None of us are able to do everything that needs to be done to share the gospel in all of the places that Jesus has instructed us to share it. None of us are able to do that. None of us are able to physically do it or financially do it. But we are partnered together like the church of Antioch to send some relief out to those who would be affected in Judea. You know, it reminds me of us as a church, First Baptist Church Union. All of the expenses of all of our church and missions effort is never put on one single person. 
It's put on each and every one of us. And we, thank goodness, don't have to accomplish these tasks by ourselves. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Or go and make disciples, right, in all of the world, to the uttermost parts. None of this we can do by ourselves. How many missionaries do you think First Baptist Church Union could send around the world by ourselves? How many missionaries do you think we could put on the ground in the deepest, darkest parts of Africa, in the most lost parts of Asia? How many people could we put spreading the gospel in this world if we were, on, if we were alone and by ourselves? One, maybe, a half a missionary probably wouldn't accomplish much. Even three quarters of a missionary. We can't do this alone. We cannot fulfill what Christ has called us to by ourselves, not as individuals and even not as one singular church. And so we align ourselves doctrinally and theologically with the Southern Baptist Convention and the Mississippi Baptist Convention. Proudly we do so. And as a result, we have over 3,000 missionaries in North America, almost 4,000 missionaries in the international mission field that are engaging almost 12,000 different people groups. You see, we don't have to do it by ourselves because we are not so arrogant to think that we can even accomplish this alone. Instead, we link our arms with other like-minded believers. Everyone gives to their own ability and together we are able to have a great impact on the world in which we live. Christians sharing together helps us to show mercy and compassion in the places that we can never go and the gospel may continue to go literally around the world because of the work of this congregation. Help us, God, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.